We've got a new analyst for you today, folks. You are in the right place because this is where Blake and the money is. Are whatever. Hi, I'm Allison Southwick, and I am joined today by Blake Boss. Oh, we're live. We are live. Well, no, we're not live. You and I are live. People are not watching this live. But I'm joined by Blake Boss. You are an analyst, mm-hmm. traditionally with the industrial sector. And today you are joining us um, normally on a day when we talk energy. So this is fun. Yeah, yeah, I am on traditionally industrial sector, but I've been picking up some energy and materials stocks, Allison. So we're going to be touching on some of those topics today. <laughs> this is very exciting. Yes. All right, let's just get into it then. Uh, we're going to cover a few headlines, first of which is Architectural Billing Index has reached a new high of 55.8 in July. Maybe that number doesn't mean a whole lot to people as a standalone, but I can tell you that's the highest level since June 2007. So what is the Architectural Billing Index and why should I care, Blake? Well, that's a great question, Allison. It it does sound like something that will put you to sleep when you start listening about it. But it is a very important measure. And what it is is, uh, let's say you're a business out there and you want to build a new building for your company. Um, You would go to an architect and he would draw up plans for you and uh, you would get billed for that. And that's kind of what goes into the index. And so it's a good forward-looking measure for commercial uh, building activity. And so what I mean by forward-looking is if the index is up like it is right now, over 50 means expansion, that's good news for commercial construction. And uh, you can take that if you invest in companies like uh, Caterpillar that does construction stuff, a crane company like Manitowoc. Um, You want to keep an eye on this index to make sure that the market is healthy and that those commercial construction is going well. So what specifically drove the number up? this month? Well, the big driver this month was uh, uh, mixed-use buildings, and what that means is basically, you know, when you're out on the town, there's a lot of buildings out there that have restaurants, businesses in the bottom, and then have apartments on top. And the index was at 60 for those, so you're seeing a big um, boom for those types of development projects. And so you uh, should be seeing a lot of those get built, built over the, uh, in the future. So then when, when I hear about an, a number hitting, especially in construction, hitting, mm-hmm. hitting a level that has not been seen since 2007, pre-housing bubble boom, bust, yeah. burst, <laughs> I can choose to either think, oh, hooray, the economy's back, or I can get a little wary and nervous about a bubble again. Mm-hmm. So how do you think I should be feeling? Well, when you see numbers like this, obviously you do have two reactions. It's like, oh, it's great news. You know, I want to buy stocks because everything's going so awesome. Or alternatively, you're like, oh, I'm terrified because the last time this happened, things didn't go so well for Americans. Um, so basically, that's an impossible question to answer. Um, uh, my philosophy always personally has just been I'm going to find great businesses at prices I'm willing to pay and investment at that point in time. Um, and that being said, hopefully, if I focus on price and great businesses t- together, um, if I don't pay too much, then it doesn't matter what the overall market does because I'm a long-term investor. And you aren't necessarily, it sounds like, thinking of investing in like real estate and companies, like construction companies. You're looking a little farther back in the process. Caterpillar, you mentioned. Yeah, I would, so I the- would much rather go after the equipment providers, like the Caterpillars out there. Uh, John Deere does a little construction, very small part of their business, or the Manitowics, you know, that does the cranes. Um, that's highly preferential to me um, from a business perspective than the actual builders themselves. All right, well, let's move on. Next story we've got is all about a tariff, because who doesn't love talking about new tariffs? Oh, they're riveting. That's so much fun. All right, so this was uh, a new tariff has gone into effect that taxes imports on tubular goods, oil country tubular goods. 
What is that? What is that? What is it? Oil company. I'm going to leave good. and you can just interview yourself here. I assume it's a huge metal tube. It is a huge metal tube that uh, generally carries natural gas or oil through it. So basically, it's just a big steel tube that uh, it's a pipeline. Um, and, and what has been happening here and in this specific instance is um, with fracking that's gotten really popular in the United States, there's a huge demand for uh, tubular products like this. The U.S. Steel makes them. It's a very big part of their business. And what's been happening is you've had a lot of foreign companies, and in particular, uh, some Asian ones, notably Korea, um, Vietnam, that have been like basically dumping a lot of product into the market at prices that uh, uh, domestic producers have said is below cost. Um, so what they did is they went to the um, uh, trade uh, um, commerce department and filed a petition saying that um, they're unfairly being um, that product is unfairly being dumped on the market, and this resulted in tariffs which are going to tax those so they can't dump them on our market and U.S. products are more competitive. Now specifically, you say it's good news for U.S. Steel. How how good is this news? Well, at first glance, you'd be like, U.S. Steel is a huge company. Well, what are these? Steel pipes, what, is, what does that even matter? Um, but if you look at their financials, you know, it's around 15% of their revenue, and more importantly, it's their highest margin product. So when you get down to the bottom line, it's very important for their business. So going forward in late October, we're going to see them report earnings. It could be a very good news for them going forward that these duties did get um, uh, put in because some of the duties are as high as 111%, Allison, that they're going to uh, put on these companies bringing the product in. So it wasn't small potatoes by any means. Yeah. All right. So then we'll keep an eye. Advice to investors. Keep Keep an eye and find out what the company has to say when they report in October. Late October. Late Let's October. Steal. All right, I'll circle the date on my calendar. <laughs> I know you're interested. <laughs> you know. I know you want to hear about you. I do. Well, well, you can come back when we can talk about it in the future, in late October. All right, as the New York Times is reporting, battle lines are blurred over the future of the Export-Import Bank. Another riveting story. This is exciting. The bill is extremely important for U.S. exporters like Boeing and GE, so you think Republicans would be all for it, being mm-hmm. more pro-business traditionally. Mm-hmm. But Democrats like Senator Kay Hagan is siding with big business, and her Republican challenger is against it. This is crazy. Yeah, I think the uh, the Republican Party is probably going with the free market capitalism here, and they would rather not have assistance from a, a government entity in helping business. Well, see, this is the point yeah. where you step back and you explain what the Import-Export Bank does. So that's very important. Um, it can be complicated at first glance, so it's actually really simple. So basically, this is a bank that was set up to help American businesses do business overseas. And the way that's done is, let's say, Allison, you own a foreign company that sells fasteners for oil pipelines. Um, in can I be in a more interesting Okay, person? you sell jet planes. Yay! Or you're an airliner that wants to buy jet planes. Okay. More appropriately, this will be perfect. Um, and you're in a smaller country, developing market, and so your cost of financing is really high. You can't get a loan for anything under 10% interest rate. And so you can't afford to buy those fancy Boeing 737s you want. But Boeing, I'm Boeing, I come to you, I'm like, hey, I want to sell you my 737s, and I'll tell you what, if you buy them from me instead of Airbus, you can use the U.S. Export-Import Bank, and I can get you some really cheap financing around 4%. And they're like, okay. And then what would you say, Allison? I would be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want the... some 737s. Yeah. yeah. Airbus who? <laughs> yeah, what? Exactly. So... The U.S. Export-Import Bank helps Ford companies buy American products, and the incentive there is the cheap financing they can get through the bank. And so a lot of domestic companies love the Import-Export Bank. Notably, Boeing really likes the Import-Export Bank. So, so Import-Export Bank, um, it's a little bit of a battle, I guess, on reauthorization. 
Is it is it going to happen? I assume yes, but yeah. So here in late September, it's going to come up to reauthorize it, and uh, obviously the companies that like it would like to see this extended for a very long time period. But it is campaign season coming up, so our uh, representatives have other things on their mind than the uh, reauthorization. So uh, Paul Ryan has suggested that uh, he believes that the uh, Congress will not reauthorize it long term. We'll probably do a little kick the can down the road trick. Oh, that sounds and, familiar. And uh, just do a short term reauthorization. Don't change anything and uh, visit the subject at a later date after they have their campaigns wrapped up. So long term, it sounds like this is something to watch, particularly if you own Boeing or GE. Yeah. Um, and is there any other investors who should keep an eye on this story? Um, basically, you should think about it. If your company has a substantial overseas business, if a large part of their revenues does come from overseas, especially for big ticket items, this is definitely stuff that you want to keep an eye on. And especially for Boeing, they use a tremendous amount of uh, the Export-Import Bank's uh, lending capacity. Um, and so that's, if you're a Boeing investor, definitely keep an eye on how this shakes out, because it's a very important part of their selling process overseas. And if they didn't have this bargaining chip, things would go a little differently, I believe. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you're looking for more coverage on the industrial sector and energy and materials. A lot. If you a lot want, of stuff in there. If you want more from Blake, basically, is what I'm saying, you can head over to fool.com. And for Blake Boss, I'm Allison Southwick. Thanks for watching.